Welcome to episode 111 of The Roger Snipes Show. The Roger Snipes Show. Have you tried adaptogenic mushrooms before? Mushrooms have been a bit trendy over the years. As things become trendy, more brands start to package their own version and jump on the bandwagon. With so many to choose from, it can be difficult to find what brands to trust. What's all the hype anyway? Well, they all have their own natural healing properties, which generally work in alignment with your biology. For example, we have Chaga, which promotes the formation of beneficial cytokines. They are specialized proteins that regulate the immune system. There's also Reishi, which is commonly referred to for its sleep-boosting abilities. These mushrooms have been traditionally recommended by Chinese and Japanese herbalists as the treatment for insomnia, or what they refer to as its sleep-promoting factor. X-Brain's Medical Mushroom Tinctures box has a selection of mushrooms that are 100% organic, sustainably sourced, and nutrient-rich. The box has some reishi, chaga, cordyceps, lion's mane, maitake, and shiitake. If you want to build a robust immunity, use potent mushroom tinctures by visiting www.xbrain.co.uk and use code SNIPES for 15% off. Feeling stressed or want to feel more relaxed in a stressful situation? Well, Apollo Nero helps your body recover from stress so you can sleep better, focus and relax when you need it. It's a wearable device which you strap to your wrist like a watch or you can wear it around your ankle. It works by something called touch therapy sending your body soothing vibrations, speaking to your nervous system, telling you you are in a safe environment. Now, this has been developed by neuroscientists and physicians, and it's non-invasive. If you're about to go to a meeting and you're feeling a bit nervous, you can strap on the Nero to prime you for the meeting. If you have finished a training session and you need your body to wind down and recover, the Apollo Nero would come in very handy for that also. I personally let my six-year-old daughter use it just before she goes to school to prime her body for learning and before bed in the evening as she winds down and gets ready for sleep. To get your hands on one of these Apollo Nero devices, just visit Apollo Nero, which is spelt O-P-O-L-L-O-N-E-U-R-O.com. ApolloNero.com and use code SNIPES10 for 10% off. It's time to get to know a more calmer, more mindful you. Yo, what's going on? What's going on? on hope everyone is cool so i think for the past couple of weeks i haven't done a podcast i have been extremely busy and have not posted any podcasts so i have to apologize i need to try and get back on that this is the first time there's been a break from podcasts uh 
yeah, <laughs> simply because I've just been too busy. So yeah, apologies once again. Uh, today, we're going to be discussing brain health, which is a big interest of mine. So all things related to how we can optimize our brain function, uh, cognitive agility, ways to train it so we can work better and just the health of our brain, really, to avoid any sort of neurodegenerative diseases um, and that sort of thing. Now, most people have a brain. Well, that's debatable. But many don't really know how to take care of it or use it properly. But most cases don't manage it very well. Now, we create a lifestyle of so many different types of habits, many of them bad, um, which can result in things like brain fog, headaches, most extreme cases, things like amyloid plaque, which can lead to uh, dementia. Now, understanding healthy practices um, could prevent us from falling victim to unnecessary dysfunctions like Alzheimer's or whatever, things which can uh, make our brain deteriorate. So what we need to focus on is how to thrive. Now, the person I have on today goes by the name of Kayla Barnes, who is a longevity entrepreneur. She's a certified brain health coach, biohacker, uh, with a mission to help her clients and community achieve optimal health through science-backed and innovative approaches. Now, Barnes has been named one of the top longevity leaders globally and has been featured in Thrive Global, Forbes, uh, Bridie, Be Well, Biohackers Magazine, and more. Barnes studied nutrition and has trained under the renowned brain doctor, Dr. Daniel Amen. Let's bring on Kayla Barnes. So Kayla, how are you doing, my friend? I'm doing very well. How are you? I'm great. I'm great. Thank you. Had an amazing morning, went out for a good cycle and uh, then a training session. And I have just broken my fast about 20 minutes ago. It's 1220. I'm feeling good. Oh. Feeling fed. <laughs> that's, that's, that's wonderful. I, I haven't gotten into my morning routine yet. It's about seven seven thirty ish over on my time. Okay, okay. And how did you start your morning exactly? So on a typical day, I'll walk you through a typical day. So mm. the first thing I always do is I do some tongue scraping. Um, it's a it's an ancient practice, but great for the gut health. Your sorry, your oral um, health. And then I do some swishing with coconut oil. So that's another Ayurvedic practice, but it's really good for killing bacteria, naturally whiten teeth. But those are always the first two things I do when I wake up. Um, after that, I usually do a little meditation, 
some breath work, which is really incredible for the brain. And I know that we're going to get into that, but it's a great, I would even say anti-aging and longevity mechanism for the brain meditation. It's shown to lead to more gray matter. Then um, I always read two books. So it's just one page out of two books, but I have the Maxwell Daily Reader, which is kind of a leadership book, but it always just drops a really important piece of wisdom in my morning. And then I read the Daily Stoic. So that kind of gives you another side of the coin, but still all about your mindset. You and I really agree on the fact that I always say you have to set your mind before the world sets it for you. So I try to do as much, you know, journaling and meditation and mindset books in the morning so that before I walk out and encounter my first issue or or something great even happens, but I have determined how my day is going to go already in the morning. So I do that and then I couple a little red light therapy. So I will do my mindset stuff and then I go to the gym, come back, do a cold shower. And then while I, when I get out, I do my red light therapy. Wow, that's awesome. Love it. There's a couple of similarities there, which uh, we both do. Um, one thing I need to keep the practice on is the tongue scraping because I actually have a, a device to scrape my tongue, but I sometimes mm. fail to do that in the morning. I must admit, I have to hold my hand up and say, I don't always do that. And I think it would be a great idea because when I scrape it, I'm like, damn, where'd that come from? I brushed my teeth right, right. before going to bed, you know? Yeah, of course. But quite a bit of bacteria can accumulate through the night. So if you want to just kind of remove that, that first thing, I mean, number one, I think it's a great practice, but also, you know, it's really great for your oral health, which is also connected to brain health, which we're really going to get into. But if you've ever kind of seen, I don't know if you've seen some of the pictures floating around the internet, but the nerves, some nerves from the brain actually connect directly to the teeth. So it's been pretty widely known that your gum health can impact your cardiovascular health, but now we're receiving more data that it also impacts your brain health. So I'm a big fan of making sure that, you know, um, the coconut oil is done in the morning, the teeth scraping, and then I have some ozonated oils and I also use um, an ozone machine to just swish around the ozone water in my mouth, which is really great for killing the bacteria. Oh, amazing. I don't think we're all blessed to have an ozone machine, <laughs> but uh, thanks for sharing. No, yeah, <laughs> um, definitely. But there's some ozonated oil that we can link in the show notes. They're, they're pretty cheap. They're a couple bucks and you just apply it to the gums and it works pretty much the same. Awesome. Awesome. I did know about the, you know, the, the, um, the gum health or the, how the teeth is directly connected to the brain. I've had a couple of um, functional medicine um, uh, doctor dentists uh, run through that. And I'm like, wow, this is some fascinating stuff. You know, there's a, there's a lot of truths which is not widespread enough for people, like people, for people to focus on their teeth and gum health. It's a real serious thing. And not just directly connected to the brain, but I remember seeing an image where someone had a, a tooth extraction and it stopped lots of rashes, which they had on their body. I was like, wow, that's from the mouth. It's serious stuff. So yeah, thank you so much again for your time. Um, the topic today is about brain health and I'm so interested in brain health. Um, 
a little bit selfishly as well as wanting others to know about it. Um, I remember I'd done a, uh, a DNA test and I've got one copy of the APOE4 gene, uh, which is um, one copy of the Alzheimer's gene. So it's very important to me to focus on brain health so that that does not kick in and I get Alzheimer's prematurely. So yes, yeah, slight selfishness there. But I also know there's an extreme importance for people to just know anyway. Um, I don't think people focus on it enough. I think a lot of people focus on just things which are more immediate, um, like aesthetic uh, appearance. So the moment they realize um, they're putting on a bit of weight, they're like, okay, I need to deal with that. Um, or maybe until things are too late, you know, where they've just, um, lifestyle has been a bit, a bit crazy. And, um, at the later start, start of their stage of their life, they start thinking, um, okay, I'm starting to forget stuff. Maybe I should, uh, focus on my brain, <laughs> but, um, so you are a certified brain health coach, uh, and biohacker who works at Amen Clinics. Um, congrats on that. I'm a big fan of uh, Dr. Amen. Love his stuff, all the things that he shares. So you working there, that must mean you're a big deal. <laughs> congrats. <laughs> How did you decide, I'm going to focus on the brain, brain health? Like what, what, what started you on that journey? How, how, how did it all happen for you? Sure. So it really started with being interested in kind of um, functional and holistic medicine. So I was a little bit of a sick kid growing up. I had ear infections all the time, which now I can look back and think, well, that was maybe potentially related to diet, you know, things of this nature. But as a child, I never knew. So um, as soon as I hit about 17 years old, actually, I started having some health problems. Um, I think it had to do a lot with stress. Well, I knew it had a lot to do with stress. And when I went to Western medicine doctors, they wanted to just put me on a steroid cream. They wanted to kind of put a Band-Aid on the situation. And even at that age, I knew, you know, something's wrong here. I want to get to the root cause of the issue. So I began studying nutrition, which is obviously a core pillar of brain health, but of course a core pillar of all health. Um, later, I ended up hiring kind of a small team of functional medicine doctors and we really got to the root cause of what was going on and we were able to optimize my health and as my health became better you know my brain i noticed changes in my brain and i'd also been on adhd for probably at this point i was put on very young as a child of course my parents didn't know that that might not be the best option for me so i wanted to optimize after i kind of tackled all of the immediate issues with my health i wanted to optimize my brain health and I didn't find a ton of resources except kind of Dr. Daniel Lehman, whom I later went to go train under. But 
our brains are involved in everything that we do. It's backed by science that if you have a healthier brain, you'll become more successful, you'll be happier, and you'll just live a life that, you know, is better quality than if you are kind of harming your brain and your brain health isn't there. So not only does it impact our decisions and our life and our overall quality of well-being now, it also affects our future. So I thought, what a more interesting, you know, kind of organ to focus on than the brain because also, when you're taking care of the brain, you're taking care of the body. So everything is really interconnected there. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting. I think um, a lot of people, they start their health journeys um, as practitioners in whatever field because of maybe some sort of deficiency that they went through themselves, a journey where they went through. It's not necessarily where they are picking subjects and they think, oh, this seems like a really good one to check out. It's normally where they might have suffered from something and they're thinking, do you know what? I, I believe the world needs to know this, you know, maybe through their own experience. Uh, myself, I got involved in fitness and through sprinting, late, later moved on to bodybuilding and um, started to look more into um, more, yeah, functional health side of things. And I guess through my journey, it wasn't necessarily um, a deficiency, but it's like, I realized that there were so many things that people did not know. And I guess it kind of roots a bit more passion into my journey in teaching others. But I just love the idea that you've chosen brain health and how you understand it's connected to everything. It's, it's so amazing. Even down to headaches itself, um, I would say most people mask a headache with paracetamols, which doesn't help with the root cause. I've read that different parts of the head are associated with different symptoms or issues. Um, are there easy ways to know which part of the head are associated with what type of headache? Does that, does, is that clear? Does that make sense? Sure. Yeah. And, and headaches are definitely an interesting topic. I think, you know, what is important to look at is neuroinflammation in this instance. So, you know, if you have inflammation in the body, I'm not sure if you've ever had, you know, your inflammation levels tested or CRP levels, but you're going to have inflammation in the brain. So that's a major cause of headaches. And how do we get inflammation in the brain? It can be a variety of things. It can be from eating, uh, you know, a bunch of processed oils like canola oil or soybean oil or too much sugar or, you know, a lot of conventional produce that is filled with glyphosate or you're not exercising enough. Um, there's so many different things that lead to inflammation, but you no know, chronic low-grade inflammation is not only one of the major root causes of all disease, but it has a significant impact on the brain. So there are some different headache types, um, but it's, it's really linked to inflammation or usually dehydration. So those are two big pieces. And if you have ongoing headaches, it could really be a variety of things. I don't want to say it could just be one thing, but it could also be, um, you know, if you had any damage to the brain earlier in life, or it can be so many things. So it's, it's always, I always encourage anyone, if you're going to have ongoing headaches, it's absolutely not normal. And we have to look at, is it some sort of deficiency in terms of vitamins, minerals? Is it the brain inflammation? Or did you have some sort of brain trauma at some point in your life that we need to get to the root cause of? So I would typically first, you know, work on lifestyle and if it continues to persist, 
the thing that I love so much about what Dr. Daniel Lehman has done in the industry is that we're looking at the brain now. So in psychiatric in, in psychiatric and medicine, you know, in this way with the brain, usually you would just take a standard set of tests and then you would receive a diagnosis um, for, you know, depression, anxiety, things like that, even migraines, you would just get a painkiller. But what he's doing is he's looking at the brain. So we can look at the spec scan and understand more about the blood flow and what's actually happening in the brain. So that's kind of, you know, a later step to actually get to the spec scan. It, they can be very helpful. Yeah, yeah. Well, what about like self-medicate, self, not just medicating, but um, just, just figuring out some basics for yourself. Like, okay, I'm at home and I'm getting these headaches, but it's on a certain part of my head. So what's the difference between, let's say the front or at the top or the back or the side? Well, what can they mean? Like as a, as a quick kind of prognosis to, you know, make some informed decisions. Sure. Well, of course, if it's related to allergies, a lot of people have tension near the, the frontal lobe, which is the area which is also controlling a lot of executive function. Um, so, of course, if it's allergy season or you're having tension headaches, so if it's, it's very stress related, I think it's important to just be aware of how you're feeling, what your stress levels look like. I would say those are probably two of the main causes of a lot of headaches, either a tension or a stress headache or an allergy related headache in terms of when the seasons are changing. So if you're experiencing that, um, obviously, you know, some meditation and we'll get into all of the profound effects, but lowering the stress levels, but I would kind of focus, yes, if it's kind of in the front, um, it could be either a tension headache or related to allergies. Right, right. Okay, that's cool to know. Thanks. Thanks for that. Mm -hmm. sure. <laughs> um, so I understand, oops, just hit my microphone. Um, I understand that being active is good and that would help with losing body fat and resistance training helps with building muscle. Um, but what about good habits we can do for a healthy brain? What can help to promote like, I don't know, like muscle building for your brain. Like what, what's what, what can we do? <laughs> Absolutely. So I think it, a major part and kind of the foundational work, I think we need to cover that, but sleep is absolutely crucial for brain health. So while you're sleeping, our body's glymphatic system is activated and that's our body's waste clearance system for the brain specifically. So if you're not getting enough sleep or you're not getting great sleep, and I know you and I chatted about the aura ring, which is one way to kind of me uh, measure your sleep, but sleep is so foundational for the brain. That's when most of your memories are stored, brain-derived neurotropic factor is released at its highest level, so it does most of the repair at night. Um, and it's just incredibly important for the body and the brain. So that's one thing. The second thing I would say is really quality food, which I know that you talk about a lot, but our cells are literally made of what we're eating. And although our brain is only between two and 5% of our body weight, it uses 20 to 30% of the calories that we're intaking every day. So that might change, you know, your choices moving forward. If you think, do I want my brain to be, you know, made out of like ghee and healthy fats and avocado, or do you want it to be made out of, you know, Doritos? Cause that's the information that you're giving it. And I always say you cannot eat junk 
because you're going to feel like junk. If you eat junk, unfortunately, you're going to feel like junk because the gut is called the second brain. So the information, not only that we're putting into the cells in the brain, but also into the gut is absolutely crucial. So there's a brain healthy diet that I kind of outline on my page, but the basics are always organic. Try not to choose conventional because the glyphosate can act like a neurotoxin. You want to have a lot of dark leafy greens in there. They're filled with vitamins and minerals that support the brain. And the brain is mostly fat and water. So you also want to have a lot of healthy fats. I recommend um, ghee, avocados, avocado oil, walnuts are really great. They actually look like a little brain. So it's pretty easy to remember that one. And I like raw and sprouted nuts if possible, because Anytime that you're taking um, any food, it could be a vegetable, it could be a meat, it could be a seed, um, up to a really high temperature if you're roasting them, then it can create something called advanced anglication products, which then can lead to inflammation in the body, which then we can link that to potentially inflammation in the brain. So we always want to eat a low glycemic and anti-inflammatory diet for the body. So we have the dark leafy greens. Berries, organic and wild blueberries are absolutely amazing. You know, if you can get them, otherwise organic is good, but I eat them every day. They're definitely a brain superfood. So that's where I get my glucose from. Sometimes I'll cycle um, and do a little bit less sugar, but I love, you know, organic wild blueberries. They're amazing from the brain loaded with antioxidants, which is a big piece of what we want to be able to feed the brain. Um, wild caught fish is another great one. So wild caught salmon, sardines, they're really good for the brain as well. So we want to get that DHA and the EPA to really keep the myelin sheets and the cells protected, the cells membranes, but the brain, like I said, is mostly fat and water. So I like to lean toward healthy fats, but I know, you know, if you're thinking about calories, that's totally fine too, but you know, you can just mark it down and figure out what works best, but all, all healthy fats are good. So yeah, that's kind of the basis of a brain healthy diet. Also dark chocolate. There are studies that back it significantly reduces your risk of depression just by eating, I eat two pieces of dark chocolate a day and it has to be, you know, at least 70% cow or higher. I try to do 80 or 90, but it's, it's an amazing, amazing superfood for the brain. So Definitely what you're putting into the brain is essential, but exercise, I mean, you know, you're obviously a huge um, supporter of exercise and as am I, I, I get in the gym, you know, five to six times a week. And every time I do, I mean, aesthetics is a great piece of it. You know, of course you stay fit, but I also think I have to do this because I need to boost my brain. I need to boost my mood. So when you're exercising, um, oxygen uptake to the brain is significantly improved. And that means, you know, you're delivering more nutrients to the brain, you're having better waste clearance, and you're also, um, you know, fueling the brain with just saturating it in oxygen. So exercise is a big one. Again, we have dopamine, we have neurotransmitters that are up-regulated when we exercise. Serotonin, which is your happiness chemical. And most serotonin is also housed in the gut. So again, that's why it's so important for a healthy gut with the foods that you nourish it, bone broth, things like that. So exercise is just an absolute, I call it the fountain of youth. And I think that's for your body and your brain, because literally between the neurotransmitters that are released and boosted and the increased blood flow to the brain, it's really like the ultimate, um, I think, brain booster. So I recommend that people try to strength, strength train three to four times a week. 
but you also want to get in low level movement throughout the day like you do your cycling in the morning. Um, I just try to make sure that I walk every 15 to 20 minutes, even though 10,000 steps, I actually think it's a good starting metric. So I try to aim for between 10 to 15,000 steps a day because the benefits of just walking are incredible. And if you can do it in nature and get the vitamin D into the eye, vitamin D is very important for the brain and for your ocular system. So if you can do that outside, you get even more of an added benefit. But that's, that's really the foundational pieces of kind of how to protect your brain. And then, you know, we can go into some things that you have to stay away from, because that's another part of brain health. You know, you want to try to really reduce and eliminate all the toxins in your home, want to, you know, carpets, things like that, that can be off gassing, all of the beauty chemicals and products. I really think it's important. Um, and we were talking about AquaTrue before we kind of hopped on here. It's, it's a great reverse osmosis water filter, but we want to limit the toxins as, as much as possible. Same thing goes with alcohol, and maybe we'll talk a little bit more in depth about that. But really, it's about those foundational pieces of supporting a healthy brain mixed with, uh, you know, not doing things that harm the brain. Mm. Sorry, I was just drinking, um, drinking some uh, essential amino acids there. My bad. But yeah, thank you. Thank That's you. Okay. That's really cool. Um, you'd mentioned about carpet and I was thinking, well, I don't have carpet in my house, but I was thinking, so there's a, I'm sure there's a few things that people might have a bit of issues with. Um, and I'd like to know, okay, what can they do around these situations? So first one is carpet, as I just mentioned it. What if they have carpet in their house? Are you suggesting they should rip it all up and uh, put down some uh, floorboards or, or something? How, what should they do about it? Is there like a, an air purifier, which would be good enough? Or do they need to sanitize it a special way? What can they do? Sure. Um, yes. I mean, hardwood floors are ideal, but I completely get it. So having a really great um, air purifier is definitely a way to help with this. So I like the Air Doctor. It has the HEPA and the carbon filters. And you know, you want to make sure that you get one large enough for your square footage. But also, even uh, vacuuming, you know, when you vacuum, it can kind of activate, especially in newer carpet. The older the carpet gets, the less it can off gases. But Every time you vacuum, you're kind of stirring it up. So I also try to, you know, just remove shoes, things like that before coming in the house. So that if you do have to vacuum, you can do it a little bit less often. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay, cool. And a couple of other things you mentioned. Um, glyphosate. Um, I would say most people probably don't have organic produce or organic foods. Um, so there's probably going to be a lot of glyphosate, uh, which people consume, even inorganic, uh, to be honest. So mm -hmm. what can people do about this neurotoxin? Is there an, a way to offset some of the glyphosate which people are consuming? Or is it like, you're doomed? what can people do? No, yeah, you're not, you're not doomed. Um, I mean, a couple of things that, you know, are kind of obvious, but you could start a garden if it's a possibility for you, make a relationship with a farmer or someone local. But when it comes to produce, 
there's something called the clean 15 and the dirty dozen. So if you have the option to at least shop the, the dirty dozen, you want to try to get those organics, but there's some other ones on the clean 15 that are okay to buy conventional. So if it's possible, I would recommend doing that, at least just kind of narrow down that list. And then um, really, really wash your fruits and vegetables and produce really well um, with a natural uh, non-toxic kind of vegetable wash. You can make one at home with some vinegar, or I think that they have a couple brands on the market that are, uh, you know, no toxin. Right, right. Cool. Okay. And uh, the glymphatic system kicks in when you get some high quality sleep. What about those who are working long hours and it is difficult for them to get quality sleep? Is there a way to get the glymphatic to work more more on less hours um, or a supplement a person can take to get it to kick in during the day or something like, is there a, a way of hacking that? Um, or is it like only sleep can do it? There's the, you know, if you don't, if you don't get enough sleep, then again, you're doomed. <laughs> I just want to. No, no, not, not doomed. Yeah. I think it's definitely important if you're not going to get enough sleep to at least try to prepare your body for better sleep. So that would be step one. You know, if you're not getting great sleep because of work hours, try to still maximize what you have. Because I think a lot of people aren't setting their sleep environments up very well to begin with. So if you can, you know, say you work the late shift, but you have a completely blackout room, like in my bedroom, I can't see my hand in front of my face. It's just blackout curtains. I have the little stickers on anything that might be lit up and I completely remove the Wi-Fi. I think first of all, you're, you're going to set yourself up for more success by doing some of these things, some blue light blockers during the day, the red blue light blockers at night. Do you switch to the nighttime ones or you just wear the blue one? Um, I've got the, uh, the amber colored and I've got the, the red ones. So uh, sometimes I just wear the red ones um, close to evening, maybe six, seven o'clock or something like that. Um, I don't That's know what perfect. it's used. Yeah. That's what I did too. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that would be step one is kind of making sure that you're doing, you know, your absolute best, best with what you have. And then the second piece would be, you know, there are of course other modalities like ozone that is great for detoxing. So if you want to kind of incorporate some of these things just to help a little bit, but the honest truth is there is no real biohack for not getting enough sleep. Right. Um, I think whatever way you have to, I would love to say, you know, of course you can do tons of different biohacking therapies and modalities to kind of get the blood flowing better, get more oxygen in the brain, improve just the daily waste clearance. But at the end of the day, um, actually our mutual friend, Sergey, he says that it's going, it's like going to a clinic every night. You know, it's one of the most powerful things that we can do for our sleep and whatever, which way you have to get there. There are some biohacking devices like the new calm that really can help you put go to sleep faster, or you were talking about the brain tap where you were like out right away. So you still need to get that restorative time for the brain. But I would do kind of like whatever you have to do to make sure that your sleep quality can be prioritized because you're going to be very grateful for that in the future. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've worked on some projects where I've had to wake up early and then go bed late. And by the time I get back home, I'm like, wow, I, I, even if I was to sleep from where I'm at right now and I'm not even near home, I still wouldn't have enough sleep. And so I've been through it and I know that there are people out there that 
consistently live that sort of life. Uh, I am in a much better position now where I can get ad adequate amount of sleep. So I'm just, you know, trying to look out for these people and see if there was any way. And you, yeah, it was, it's quite interesting because if, if you can't hit the, the amount of hours, then it is definitely about making whatever hours you have as quality as possible. And I think the blue light blocking glasses do come in handy. And I think I mentioned to you on your podcast that I use a device called the Nano V. And when I checked my deep sleep on that, it was like super incredible after using that. Um, maybe red light therapy could be pretty good for increasing deep sleep, do you think? Um, Definitely. Yeah. I think that red light and I think, um, you know, light in the morning. So if you are able to get outside, that helps to set your circadian rhythm for the day. So we are all kind of meant to wake and sleep at certain hours. But as we know, because of blue light and distractions and a different environment in our homes, we're definitely not getting sleepy as easy um, because the melatonin production is just not kicking in the way that it necessarily should. So I think the morning light in the eyes, and Dr. Huberman also talks a lot about this, but the morning light in the eyes is super important. So just getting out five, 10 minutes, getting some light in the eyes, on the skin, on the face. But if you can't do that, so a brand called Retimer that makes um, glasses that also imitate the morning vitamin D. They're actually blue light, which I know we all wanna run away from that in this day and age, but um, the blue light helps you just in the morning. So I just throw on the glasses if I can't get outside to take a stroll and that kind of mimics the same effect. But setting your circadian rhythm in the morning is going to drastically improve your sleep at night. Um, and same thing with red light. It's a great modality for mitochondrial function, which over time, that of course is gonna impact your sleep and overall performance. Great for skin, can be anti-inflammatory. So I love red light therapy for a lot of different reasons. But if you absolutely can't get to sleep, um, other things to consider, are alcohol. Um, people think that alcohol puts them to sleep, which in some cases it can help induce sleep. But then when you um, are getting into deep or REM, it'll wake you up later. I don't know how many people have ever had quite a few drinks and they wake up first thing in the morning, like energized and wired. It's because of what it's doing to your blood sugar. So alcohol, although people think it helps you sleep, it actually really hinders and uh, hurts your sleep during the evening hours. So you might fall asleep, but then if you had an aura ring, like for instance, when I would have a cocktail, even one glass of wine, my HRV score would be cut in half. My deep sleep was significantly impacted. So I was going to bed for a longer time, but my, it was just all light sleep. So at the end of the day, that wasn't really helping my brain. Not to mention the fact that unfortunately, I always lose friends when I say this, but um, alcohol is just really in no way a health food and it does not support good brain health. It actually lowers blood flow to the brain. It, um, you know, all around is, is a neurotoxin, unfortunately. So I think we've tried to find every which way under the sun we can make alcohol healthy. So like, oh, there's resveratrol in it, but the amount of wine that you would have to consume like five gallons to get the amount of resveratrol that would actually be impactful. So five gallons of wine or just taking a resveratrol supplement. So I think that's important information. I know that drinking has gone up a lot and I can uh, understand, but I think if people know that it's very harmful to the brain, 
at least you know the opportunity to change is out there yeah yeah are there certain alcohols which is worse than others for the brain i mean i think people are going to always drink so yeah it, what would be the least impactful for the brain would you say I would um, suggest a really clean wine. So there's a couple brands. I'm not sure if you can get it in the UK, but Dry Farm Wines. Do you know this one? I think so. Yeah, I've heard of that. Uh, I think there's a few guys that do um, order it here in the UK. Mm. Yeah. So anything natural or more biodynamic, because a lot of red wines, uh, conventional red wines, you know, like red dye is added, which is, is very harmful for the brain. They have all these additives. So if I were to choose a, you know, alcoholic beverage, I would choose an organic or biodynamic wine that's been third-party lab tested to make sure there's no bacteria, just like coffee. You know, you and I were talking about coffee. Coffee can be a great supporter of the brain, um, but if it's not clean, then you're consuming mycotoxins and mold and all these chemicals. So same thing with wine. Um, I'm sure you guys have some lo great local organic wine shops too, but you just want to choose something with clean ingredients, just the grapes. And they actually have some low sugar wines now, which I find interesting. So that can at least help, you know, your blood sugar at the same time. And it's also organic. So that would be my option is a, is a glass or so of uh, red wine. Right, right. Yeah. From... Yeah, a clean source. <laughs> sweet, sweet. Just like um, everything. That's. Huh? I said that's our. That's what life consists of. Being an adult these days is trying to find all the toxins, right? Yeah, I know. It's crazy. Even if you're buying good foods, there's always, well, seem to be good food. There's there's always something hidden there. Um, you know, if you're looking to get a, a lean cut meat, it's like, yeah, but is it grass fed? You know, um, it's, it's uh, man, like you can get lots of vegetables, but is it organic? You know, um, right. and there's people who like bread and, you know, you have some which say uh, gluten free, but then you see all these other funky ingredients. Like, what is this? <laughs> you know, um, right. it's, uh, yeah, it's wild wild but talking of food um in terms of the brain there's there's obviously that that gut to brain connection so i understand certain foods make me feel a certain way um while uh you know you got vegetables which is which tends to make me feel really good and i'm sure many many others as well which uh is uh probably a lot of uh prebiotic fibers in, in some of them. Um, but some beans can make a person feel gassy, even if it is organic. Um, food is so complicated. It really is. But uh, gut to brain connection. Um, what, what, can you, what, what can you tell us about that? Like, why is it important to understand how, um, where, where the gut is connected to the brain? Yeah. Could you explain the details in that, how they're both connected and why it's important to know? Sure. So, yes, the gut and the brain are directly connected and the gut is often referred to as the second brain. So the amount of bacteria in our gut, you know, overtakes how many actual human cells that we have in our body. Um, 
so you really have to focus on what is the balance within the gut look like and it definitely starts with food so you want to make sure that you're getting enough fiber to really help heal the gut things like glycine glutamate collagen are really great for the gut because the last thing that you really want is a leaky gut so that would be one big piece of it is sorting out the health gut the health of your gut is figuring out the dysbiosis how much good bacteria how much bad bacteria i think we both take a probiotic from biooptimizers that has some pre and probiotics in there a patented formula so that's one thing that can you know help gut health but when you're thinking about how the gut houses so many of our neurotransmitters most specifically um you know, serotonin, over 90% of our serotonin is housed there. So that's our happiness chemical. So the gut directly influences your mood. If you want to have, you know, a better mood, if you want to have better productivity, better focus, better energy, it's so dependent on the gut and what you're feeding your gut. So I think that prioritizing food, but also having an understanding of gut health. So if you have bloating like constantly and often after every meal, it's something to look at and say, okay, this isn't normal. This might be an indicator that my gut health is off or depending on your bowel movements, things like that. Um, you just should be very aware of how your gut's feeling because again, it's, a, it's super crucial, known as the second brain and um, it's so important to prioritize your gut health. How often should a person have bowel movement? It depends on how much you're eating, but um, one to two times a day if you're eating, you know, two meals. And if you are eating more than two meals, um, I mean, up to three times is okay. But if you find yourself going to the restroom all the time or not going at all, that's something that, you know, is a red flag and you should definitely look into. And um, like, how much should a person eat for optimal gut health, would you say? I'm a big fan of fasting. It um, actually gives your gut and your digestion a bit of a break. So, and I also think it's great for brain health. You know, if you can start promoting autophagy on at least like a low level, maybe even getting into some more frequent bouts of autophagy, which is the cellular cleaning phase and recycling stage of the cells. Um, I think that's best. So I like to do, usually I eat within a five or six hour window, um, but it's it's completely dependent. As long as you're eating really high quality foods, it's okay to have three standard meals a day. But for me personally, I like to give the gut a little bit of a break and allow that, uh, you know, fasting time or intermittent intermittent feeding to kick in. Right. Uh, for for women, is it is it always safe for them to have that such a, a small window of, of eating. I've always questioned hormonal imbalances. Would you say it, it's okay up to a certain age or, um, yeah, because, you know, a, a lot of women are concerned with fasting because of hormones. What's, what's your thoughts there? Would you need to consult your general practitioner or functional medicine doctor or something before you decide to fast? What's, yeah, what would you say? We're just gonna take a short break and return right back. Many of us suffer from physical pain, some form of insomnia, mental health issues, or have problems with relaxing. All this can lead to chronic stress-related illnesses that's why I use PEMF by Numed. 
All their devices are medical grade and have double-blinded clinical studies to show its effectiveness. PEMF stands for Pulsed Electromagnetic Fields. Simply put, PEMF is a form of magnetic therapy using electromagnetic fields generated by copper coils. It targets the body at a cellular level, helping with a variety of disorders, diseases, conditions, and injuries through a wide range of applications. It actually helps with brainwave activity to assist with reducing mild depression and anxiety. If you suffer from sciatica, pelvic pain, rheumatoid arthritis, carpal tunnel syndrome, PEMF can help with that also. And lastly, if you want to reach peak performance and maximize your athletic ability, then yes, PEMF can help. Check out NewMed today at newmed.co.uk and use coupon code SNIPES5 for 5% off. That website link again is newmed.co.uk and use coupon code SNIPES5 for 5% off. Achieving your health peak has never been easier. For a woman. Absolutely. So many factors, yeah, so many factors go into it um, beforehand. So what is the state of your hormones before you start fasting? Because fasting can work as a hormetic stressor or a stressor on the body still. So it can sometimes raise cortisol, especially given the state that you initially go into the fasting. So it really depends. Everyone is very genetically um, different. And me, I actually cycle. So I don't do that every single week. So I'll do that for one week and then I'll take a week off. Also with women, of course, we have a phase that, um, you know, a luteal phase, a cycle phase that men do not. So it's also important to pay attention to that and give your body more calories when you crave it. I'm always a big fan of that. So for some people, you know, just eat, having eight hours off while they're sleeping is perfect. Um, and for others, it's okay. And I think it's totally acceptable for women to fast, but just kind of feel your how your body's feeling. And then also know what your hormones look like going into it, or if you end up getting a hormone test during some somewhere during that time. But I do think fasting is safe for women. Right, okay, cool, well, that's good to know. Uh, so you say like, listen to your body. If it says I'm hungry, basically you eat more. Yeah. Right. Okay. Okay. Right. Sweet. I was thinking to myself that, you know, there's going to be, let's say women who are quite over the overweight and they're trying to lose body fat. Does that still apply for those? Would you say this is probably a bit more nutrition than actual gut health itself? Um, don't need to answer it. Like if it, you know, doesn't fit directly um, with um, gut health, but well, what would you possibly suggest there? Even if a person is overweight and they should be maybe eating a bit less. Sure. I think it's always just important to start small, right? So like I use, there's also an app called zero, you know, you can have a wide, a pretty wide window for eating in the beginning and just set a goal for yourself as to how you want to improve or extend the fast over time, you know? that would really be my main recommendation, but everyone's so different. Mm -hmm. It really just depends. If you're absolutely starving and you're miserable and you're inducing all this stress on the body, then you know you have to weigh if it's worth it or if it's not, because of course we want optimal health, but we don't want to be absolutely miserable you know, um, on the journey there. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. What would you say is, well, okay, so I know that it's said that ketones is a very clean form of energy uh, for the brain. And then there's also glucose, which is useful. What, in comparison, what would you say is most effective or the best form of energy for the brain? How, would, how should we construct our food so that our brain works more efficiently? This is a great question. So the brain typically runs off glucose, but it can operate very well on ketones. What I will say is I think it's great for the brain to run off ketones or burning fat for fuel. Uh, for me, it leads to clearer thinking. In a lot of studies, this is also um, echoed. But I think it's important to cycle um, your kind of state of ketosis. So I think low carb across the board is is very good. I did a little stint where I was eating a ton of rice when I was working and training under a, a bodybuilder. But I did not feel my best at all because the high carb load and then the glycemic spikes. So I think low glycemic and trying to maintain stable blood sugar is always going to be really beneficial for the brain because you're also not going to have the brain fog and the crashes after you eat a high carbohydrate meal and then the blood flow, uh, sorry, the blood glucose roller coaster that you go on. So I definitely would say um, lower glycemic for the most part and keeping the carbs lower, but then you can uh, cycle in some what I call smart carbs or slow digesting carbs, something like a sweet potato, a whole food source of carbs, especially if you're um, also working towards aesthetic goals or something of that nature, you might need a little bit more energy. But I think for me, um, and the, the science also backs this, ketones are a great source of fuel for the brain to run off. Mm, yeah, okay. Let's go back to people who are slightly overweight. It's said that, um, when, when people start to lose weight, especially if they're holding quite a bit of body fat, um, they tend to have this keto flu if they're doing low carbohydrates because fat is breaking down a lot of the toxins. What would you suggest uh, for them to have, let's say, an, a, an optimal working brain during this period? What Would you say that there's a, a better way that they can do it or they'd have to fight through this, um, I don't know, brain strain during this process? Absolutely. So I think MCT oil is a great way to kind of get you into ketosis. You know, it produces ketones right away, or you can take even some ketone esters. They taste a little bit like rocket fuel, if you've ever had them, but um, yeah, 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 yeah. you can kind of get some. Mm, yeah, I use it all the time. Yeah. <laughs> rocket fuel, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, absolutely. So the taste just, I just do a quick cat full, but that's a great way to boost ketone activity in the brain. Um, and it might help, uh, you know, I also find them extremely helpful for any speaking engagements, even before the gym, it gives you a boost 
good boost of energy and mental clarity. But yes, the exogenous or the ketone esters are a great way. Of course, when you're doing kind of keto, it's so important too to focus on clean quality foods. There's uh, you know, a dirty keto and a clean keto. So vegetables is like the carb source that I get when I'm doing um, keto. It's not like, it's not a bunch of chips, like low carb chips or just all bacon, all pork rinds. I mean, you know, balance is still important. So I think focusing on the quality of the food you're consuming while you're transitioning into keto, um, with some support from some MCT oil, you can even, you know, if you really are having a lot of brain fog, you can take a nootropic. Um, there's a brand that you, we can definitely discuss that I really like, but you want to have nootropics that actually uh, promote neurogenesis or new cell growth in the brain. Um, that's really important. So if you're really going through it with a keto flu, I would recommend those those couple of items. Awesome. Well since we're kind of on the subject, <laughs> what would you suggest are good nootropics? Let's just, just go straight into it. I mean, there's many out there and I'm sure many don't work. What sort of ingredients should a person be looking for when they're going for a nootropic and what, what brand or brands would you recommend? Absolutely. So Nootropics, they obviously work on neurotransmitters. So we have dopamine, which is the, they, it's references the motivation molecule. So that's a super popular transmitter to just kind of hammer. So you, you take a supplement and it goes right for the dopamine to boost it, which is great for that day. But then the next day when your, your neurotransmitters always want to be in balance. So if you get, let's say a hit or um, uh, a dopamine, even from social media or your phone or something, it always wants to maintain balance and homeostasis. So it wants to even out. So then you're going to have a little a bit of a dip. So if you're constantly taking a nootropic, just hammering one neurotransmitter, and I won't name any specific brand names that do that, but um, you're going to feel fatigued and exhausted and your brain's going to be tired over time. So I always recommend, and it's a, it's a brand that we both like, um, BioOptimizers recently came out with their line of uh, nootropics called Nootopia. So what I love about it is First of all, the delivery mechanisms are great because they they range from powders to sprays. So it's really thinking the most um, the most effective uh, absorption, which is really great. But what they do differently is that they actually support brain health. So they have a product called Brain Reset that actually you were asking before boosting the glymphatic system. So it's boosting the cellular cleaning of the brain. So they understand nootropics well enough to. Um, you know, literally have brain reset days, which is important so that those neurotransmitters don't get overused. They also use super clean ingredients. They use healthy fats as some of their delivery mechanisms. So you're getting that for the brain or MCT oil. So I think it's those nootropics are, are really cool because they're also custom. So everyone's different. If you think about it, it's just like supplementation. If you just grab something right off the shelf, it's it's most likely going to be beneficial if it's a high quality product. But if it's custom to you and your brain and your neurochemistry, because everyone's different, our, our uh, brains are so, so different. So if we can get something that's custom, then it's even more beneficial. So in terms of nootropics, I think that's one of my favorite brands. Um, I can't wait for you to try it and see what you think too. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, how often do you reckon a person should uh, detox their brain and what what should they do to do that? What's what's the most optimal way? Because you mentioned about it, it doing a detox 
Um, but what if someone just wants to just detox their brain? Because let's say they may have eaten some fish, which is not, you know, um, uh, wild caught and might have a bit of metals in it and they're trying to clean up their brain and stuff. Uh, just things which couldn't get caught up in the brain. Like if a person's like, all right, I need to, I need to give it a wash. What can I do? What, what methods would you say are good? Yeah, so we have something uh, in the brain. It's called the blood-brain barrier, and it can actually become permeable, similar to leaky gut. So if you think about leaky gut and maybe, you know, it's linked to gluten or something of that nature, but the junctions become a bit more permeable. So the blood-brain barrier protects the brain and keeps toxins out for the most part. But if your blood-brain barrier has been um, compromised in any way and things like alcohol, lack of sleep, things of that nature, it will allow some potential toxins or bacteria that aren't supposed to be there. But the brain does a really good job of kind of protecting itself if you give it the right inputs. Um, but if it comes to actually wanting to detox the brain, unfortunately, there's no head cap that I know of that will just go right to the brain for detoxing. But anything that's good for the body detox, like a ozone sauna or a sauna session will also be good for, let's say, quote unquote, detoxing the brain. But the great thing is, is that we have this blood brain barrier that as long as we keep it protected and keep it intact, um, cold therapy is a great way to do that as well. A cold therapy really helps to to boost the health of the blood brain barrier. Then um, you know the brain does a really good job of kind of keeping itself protected in terms of toxins, things coming in from the body that aren't supposed to be there. Mm. Okay, cool. What's your thoughts on lion's mane? And are there any other type of uh, adaptogenic herbs that can work well with the brain? Sure. I, I love lion's mane. Um, it's great for potentially reducing neuroinflammation, which is a really cool benefit of it because we talked about why inflammation is bad for the brain. Um, and it also promotes neurogenesis. So at one point in medicine, they thought we couldn't create any more neurons in the brain after a certain point in life that we were just kind of stuck with what we had. But now we know that through many different ways, new learning is one of them, we can promote neurogenesis and lion's mane is, is actually a supplement that can support and help neurogenesis. So I, I think it's great. It's also brings kind of a nice energy and natural energy with no jitters and focus. Do you take lion's mane? Yeah, I've got, um, I don't even know what you call it. It's like a, a kind of almost like a serum, which I put under the tongue. Um, I can't remember what it's called. It's, it's by it's by a company called X Brain. Um, yeah, it's like a like a serum where you just squeeze it underneath the tongue. It's supposed to be uh, very potent. I'll, I'll send you. Tinct, is it a tincture? Does it tincture, taste like alcohol that's it. a little bit? Tincture, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 So that's a great extraction method, and um, I would definitely recommend that for lion's mane because yeah, you can just put it under the tongue, hold for thirty seconds, but. It's something that I cycle, but I like to, some weeks I use it every day and then I'll take a little break because I like to cycle my supplementation in general for the most part, mm. but lion's mane is a great one. I also think ashwagandha in terms of adaptogenic herbs, again, you want to be really careful about the quality because some of these herbs can have heavy metals in them. 
if they're not from a high quality source. But um, I think ashwagandha is a good one for your cortisol levels and for your um, for your nervous system because our nervous system and our brain, you know, are directly related. It's like the messaging system. So nourishing our nervous system is also super important. So with that, I would say magnesium is a really great supplement and bio-optimizers, again, they have the, um, the magnesium breakthrough that has all, or has seven types of magnesium in it. So you could be taking magnesium, but just taking, you know, glycinate or something, and then you're missing out on all the other forms. And the most um, available form of magnesium in the brain is actually L3 and 8. So it can most easily pass the blood-brain barrier. So magnesium is a really good option. And as we know, most people are deficient in magnesium. The next one I would say, and you know, fish oil is getting such a bad rap on the internet right now. Have you have you seen any of this? Um, People are just saying fish oil is no good. No, not really. No, no. I, I guess I haven't really been good. reading anything on it. I, I mean, I just know in general when I used to have fish oil, the D, the the EPA and DHA was super low. It was something stupid like maybe uh, 110 uh, each. I was like, wow, you know, for a thousand milligram capsule, um, which is pretty crap. But no, like what, what yeah. have you been reading? Oh yeah, so um, I mean, so fish oil is actually really great for the brain. So it has DHA and EPA in it, if, especially if you're not gonna eat enough fish, like wild caught salmon a couple times a week or whatnot. But yeah, I just feel like um, it's one of these kind of social media phenomenons where all of a sudden now everyone is against fish oil. But the thing about fish oil is, is if it gets oxidized, but vitamin D can also get oxidized and then be not great for your health. It's just like any oil, you have to keep it very stable. So it's important to buy it from, you know, a quality source and then keep it cool throughout the journey. And then I keep my in my mind in my refrigerator. But EPA and fish oil, I like a cod oil, is, is really good for the brain. Definitely. Mm. Okay. The one I use is uh, by Keon. Do you know Keon? Yeah, Ben Greenfield's company. Yeah, that's right. And uh, Angelo Keeley is like the co-founder. What brand do you use? Oh, take Finish your swig of your water. <laughs> I was actually going to show you. So I used to use Nordic Naturals and I'll have to send you the name of my new one because now it's just a liquid. I don't do it in the supplement form anymore. It's a cod liver oil that is on, it's on Wellevate, which is like a practitioner grade, but I'll grab the name of it and I'll, I'll send it to you. Mm. I really like that one. Well, what, but you, you know, yeah. another, I was going to say another great supplement for the brain is actually uh, creatine. So I, I know it's a very popular supplement in the bodybuilding world, but it's also really great for your brain. It offers neuroprotective effects um, and it can actually boost brain power. There's quite a few studies that, um, you know, different uh, rats given creatine versus not having creatine and even in human studies, it really can boost brain power, but it also can be a neuroprotector. So that's another great supplement. Yeah, yeah, I'd read about that. In fact, even if I'm not training, I do tend to have it. Um, how much would you say is a good amount for a person to have, and is it okay to have every day? Um, is is there a minimum amount a person needs to have depending on body weight uh, and, a, and a maximum amount? What, what would it depend on? For creatine? Yes. So the studies have been using five grams a day. 
Um, so I believe that's just the one I have at least is just that's the scooper. It's a it's a quite small scooper, but just just using the standard recommended dose a day. Would that does does it not um, matter what your body weight is? Is that for uh, male and females and yeah, whatever. Just just for anyone. Yeah, well, I mean, that's the standard recommendation on the supplement in and of itself. But I believe, and you might actually know this a little bit better than I do, is there a creatine recommendation like per pound of body weight for kind of like protein recommendation? That I don't even know, to be honest. But uh, people who do hold a bit more muscle mass, it's suggested that they do have a bit more than the recommended amount. So I don't know how that would be for the brain as well. I don't know whether it's like if your brain weighs a bit more, um, but obviously oh. your body, you know, your muscles will be using some as well. So I'd, I'd assume that you'd probably, someone of a, a larger portion of probably, a larger size will probably need more creatine, maybe. I'm- that- that could be, to be honest, I, I don't know the exact dosage, like based on exact body weights. Um, I know that the studies have been based on the the five a day. Yeah, yeah. What would you say is a good, did we cover any biohacks for the brain? I don't uh, think so. Okay. Yeah, what would you say are really good biohacks for the brain to optimize neurotransmitters and maybe neuroplasticity and just everything to have a super brain. <laughs> yeah. So I think cold therapy is great because we talked about how it can help to repair the blood brain barrier, but it can also help to improve blood flow over time. So that's a really big thing for the brain is we always just want to be focusing on what supports blood flow and what you know harms blood flow. Let's do the things that support it and not do the things that harm blood flow. So cold therapy is great. If you can get into a cold tub, that's obviously best, but cryotherapy is another option that can really, you know, get the blood going, going up to the brain. Um, hyperbaric oxygen is one of the most proven treatments for, for brain health. So if anyone were to come in with, for instance, a traumatic brain injury, any sort of concussion, CTE, something like that, one of the first recommendations or prescriptions would be to go right in the hyperbaric chamber. It's incredibly healing for the brain. It offers the pressure. So have you been in one before? Yeah. Oh, I've been, yeah, I've been LMS, in LMS, right? Yes, LMS, also known as human. Um, I did go to... Oh, human, yes. Yeah. Um, my first experience was in a different one. Where was it? Um, somewhere in London. Somewhere in London. Kensington. I think it was Kensington. Do you know someone by the name of Tim Gray? Yes, I do. Um, just on Instagram, but yeah. Yeah, so he's he's the uh, founder of the Health Optimization Summit. We got we got speaking on Instagram, and he told me that he had a facility in Kensington, and if I'd like to check it out, and I was like, yeah, why not? <laughs> and my first time experience when I got into that little chamber was it felt like my ears were gonna, I don't know, like my head was gonna explode. I was like knocking on the glass, like, dude, I, I don't know if I'm gonna make it. So he released <laughs> the pressure of something and it was 
it was tolerable. What, what's happening there? Why is it? Why did it feel like, you know, like when, when you're in an airplane, but a bit more intense? So the pressure is why you felt that way. Being in a hyperbaric chamber is almost like being about 15 to 16 meters under the water. So you have the pressure and then you have the oxygen. Um, so yes, it takes some getting used to in terms of it feels like your ears are going to pop, right? Just like when you're taking off on an airplane. But the between the oxygen saturation and the pressure, it's just driving a ton of oxygen into every cell. So it's great for things like wound healing, but for the brain, you know, it's been proven in some of the most uh, about studies about two weeks ago are showing that it's one of the only therapies that can halt, as they say, Alzheimer's and start to restore memory. So if you think about that from a prevention standpoint, if you have access to do it every now and then, or there's even some some bikes that you can, I believe the EWAT, which you can use at home, which mimics that oxygen saturation. It's of course not the same as hyperbaric, but it's a kind of more accessible option. Um, that would be really incredible for preventing and cognitive decline because we all, all brain health is so much about just blood flow. Let's boost blood flow and blood flow in the brain when you're in a hyperbaric session is, you know, uh, significantly, significantly increased. So I would say hyperbaric is a really cool one. If you have it around you there, it's becoming more popular, but, um, I also really like, uh, the V light. So we were chatting about some of the kind of tech that we have at home from the brain tap to the V light is really great because it actually has photobiomodulation that you can do directly intranasally. So that's going to help the mitochondria in the brain. It can boost brain, brain blood flow. And then there's also, um, a piece that you attach to the head, which has the modules on it, also emitting a light therapy that can actually enter through the brain. So that's another great biohack in, in my opinion. I also think that PEMF is really nice in terms of brain health and overall recovery, general health. So I use, um, you know, PEMF mat. It depends on what PEMF you have. Do you have one that can, has a accessory for the head or the brain? But it can help um, flow. Not directly for the head. I have it's it's a mat, and then then there's there's this thing called an applicator, which you can you can strap to your arm, uh, strap it to your leg, or you could just I don't know, like rest it against different parts of your body. Um, I guess maybe you can rest it on your head. I know that the Gauss is supposed to be a lot more powerful through it. Um, yeah, it's supposed to be like a lot more. What what sort of gauss would you reckon is a good amount minimum for um, for a PEMF device? That's a good question because they kind of range in what their output is. So if you want one that feels very aggressive, so I'm assuming when you lay on yours, you really, really feel it, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah. Yeah, so that that's great, but there's a kind of a spectrum and I'm not a PEMF specialist, but, um, the PEMF that I have at home, for instance, it has multiple, it has I believe seven frequencies layered on top of each other. So it's just a coil. You actually really don't feel too much. So when it comes from, when it comes to, um, you know, some aspects like circulation, the, the higher the gauss, the more impact of course you're going to have. So I have one at home that is 
more um, just therapeutic in terms of I don't have that big impact because it depends on what your nervous system is like too. You don't want to be overtaxing the nervous system with something that's that intense if you're already kind of burning, uh, you know, kind of experiencing some burnout or a lot of stress at work. You want to kind of take it more so on an easy level, but I don't know the exact range that of PMF. What device do you use? What's the name of it? Um, it is called the Halo, Halo, H-A-E-L-E-O. H-A-L-E-O. Okay, cool. Well, you see it? It's like a little coil. No, I'm just, I'm just noting it down. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not Googling oh. it or anything. Just noting it down. Oh. <laughs> um, what is mine called? Oh, man, I can't even remember. I remember bio something. The mat is, um, gosh. So like I look at it all the time. I use it most days. I can't think of the name of it. <laughs> it doesn't well, matter. The Nanavi that you have is also great for brain health. So we talked a little bit about that when you were on my show, but mm. um, you know, reducing oxidative stress is is really, really important. Um, so I think that the Nanavi is a great, and it's about a 30 minute session. You said that you slept with yours on all night once, which I find very cool, but that's great for, for boosting brain health. And it's, you know, going right through the nostrils up into the brain. So anytime that we can reduce oxidative stress through either antioxidants or some type of device such as the Nanavi, um, I really, I really like it. Yeah. So it's supposed to be really good for protein folding because I understand that, sometimes this process doesn't happen with the body for, uh, for, for whatever reason, but yeah, it helps with that. But it also the, the, the vapor in which it gives, it's like a almost similar to structured water or something. Oh, I can't remember the detail. There's so much behind it. I actually interviewed, uh, one of the co-founder, um, uh, what's her name? It begins with R. I don't know if you've spoken to her before. Yeah, Rowena. And it was, I was like, wow, this thing is so fascinating. So I'm thinking because it's such a premium device, that's the reason why I use it most days. I'm like, this is premium. I should be using it all the time. And it doesn't take so much effort. Like when you're getting in the sauna, you know, um, with the sauna, you have to be like ready to use it and stuff. But anyway, so cool. PMF, Nano V, the V light, um, hyperbaric, uh, cold therapy. Sauna is great as well. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yep. Sauna, sauna's up there too. You know, if, if you happen to have a home sauna, again, it's all about boosting blood flow. So uh, we know when you're going to sauna, you're red, you're hot, you're sweating and you're boosting the blood flow internally. So I do sauna maybe like three times a week three to four, just depending on what my workout schedule is. But I think sauna is another is another great way. But if we want to just go back to basics, you know, walking is definitely a biohack, major boost for the brain, um, proper sleep, proper nutrients. Those mm. are kind of like the, the easy ones, the light in the morning to really set the circadian rhythm. Those are some, you know, free or low cost biohacks. Mm. And uh, what's your thoughts on uh, grounding? I think it's very beneficial. Um, yeah, and again, if you can get outside and do your walk and just put your bare feet on the ground, we know that everything that we touch has you know, an electrical output. And being connected to the earth 
and having our skin directly connected to the earth is incredibly healing. It can be great for your HRV. It can definitely be very good for your mood. Um, and I think nature therapy is just absolutely incredible and another free way to do it. And if you want to, there's, I have like a little mat in my house too, in the really cold winter months, if you don't want to go Wim Hof it and be standing in the snow, um, there's some earthing mats that you can purchase for your home too. That mm -hmm. They make that same. Do you have one of those? I think you I do. Yes. Yes. I've, I've got one next to my PEMF mat. Um, I was wondering, I was told that. I know outside, if if the floor is wet, and let's say you're stepping on the grass and the floor is wet, it's almost more conductive if you were to be on the grass or on the ground. Um, what's your thoughts on wetting up the mat when you're in the house? <laughs> you think that's a bit, that's a bit wild? Yeah. I've never heard of that, actually. You, oh, okay. you wet your mat? No, I don't. I was yeah, just thinking, I've, should I? Oh. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I no, I think that the mats are. I think that the mats are good. I can see that with like actually the grass, if it's if it's a damp surface. But I think the mats are good to just be dry. Right. Right. Okay. Cool. Um, any other biohacks? Did you say you use a, a muse? I'm sure you mentioned that before on when when I was on your podcast. Yeah, the Muse is it's a really great piece of uh, it's a really great device that you can measure your meditation. So I think one of the big barriers to entry for meditation is that people feel like they're doing it wrong or they're maybe not getting the the amount of benefit that they want to right away. First of all, it's a practice that takes some time to really take hold in in important brain regions like improving gray matter, as I explained before, in studies, meditators versus non-meditators. Um, the meditators all had significantly more gray matter. And as we age, not only does our blood flow to our brain um, diminish, but also, you know, the size of our brain and things, other factors like um, kind of, as Dr. Raymond says, as the side of, size of your waist goes up, the size of your brain can actually go down. So there's a lot of factors in terms of keeping, um, you know, healthy metrics made. But, sorry, tell me one, I just lost a little bit of, my train of thought. What did you say? The oh, so I was just talking about the muse. Like, what? The, what's your thoughts oh, on the, the muse, muse and how it affects the brain? What's the what's the benefits on it? Oh yeah. So so the muse, it's a really great tracking tool. So it's really going to tell you, um, did you do well during your meditation, or how much of your meditation did you really kind of hit an optimal optimal brain state? If you want to be in like a lower level brain state, like alpha, but if your brain was stuck in in a high level, very focused and really um, kind of sporadic brain state like like beta or gamma, then it will tell you a, kind of a readout and an overview of how your meditation went. So I think it really encourages people to understand what, what it feels like when they hit a deep meditation. So if you're using the muse, it's almost like neurofeedback. So if you're using the muse and you see, okay, for 10 out of the 20 minutes, I was in a really deep meditative state then that can help you improve later because you'll remember what it feels like. Mm, right, right, right. That's, that's really interesting. The I happy actually... is a really cool piece of tech. Okay. The happy. I've heard about that. So that, again, is, it's playing on brainwaves. So throughout the day, we cycle through all sort, all different, there's about four different brainwave types, alpha, beta, gamma, theta, but it will play on that. So there's a happy setting that has uh, it almost, they say mimics alcohol, but it puts you into a relaxed state. So this is, have you seen them? They're just little 
They go around your neck. Have you seen the happily? Sometimes people wear them on their head. I don't know. I I don't think so. No, I've only heard about. Oh yeah, so it's a, it's another cool little device that people definitely can use to improve their mood. So do you want to be more calm at night? Sometimes I use it. There's a deep sleep setting. I use it um, under my pillow every now and then, and it definitely has helped to increase my deep sleep. Or you can wear it in the morning for focus. There's like a caffeine. Um, kind of mimicking setting so people can use that as well in terms of boosting their focus but that's a cool at-home biohacking piece of brain tech there's also like the Apollo Neuro there's so many cool little devices coming out um, like I said the V light and you have one called neuroscience right yeah that's right yeah yeah um, yeah it's pretty cool um, so it's um, sort of primes the brain for things that you want to um, physically be more um, uh, what, what you want to improve on like if, if like you're learning um, tennis or any kind of physical coordination type of thing it kind of um, creates more connections in the brain so that you can learn it much quicker um yeah really interesting it's it's a it's a it's um it's a headset that you put on and you have to spray these little parts that touch your head for me it's okay because obviously i shave my head but for those who have hair i do question you know if it works the same for them um so it has to touch your your scalp and it sends these electrodes to the brain to help with uh, neuroplasticity and and that sort of thing is pretty cool. Um, yeah, that's uh, interesting. The HAP B. Um, I, I want to have a look into that. Um, what's what's the sort of price on that thing there? I think it's three hundred. I know that they were having a Christmas sale um, the past week or so. I think it might just be wrapping up now. Mm -hmm. But a general price is around three hundred dollars. Is that correct? I believe so. Okay. And the uh, Apollo Nero, I have one of those. Uh, that's quite interesting. And the, the brain tap too is is a great device, uh, you know, kind of for this brain training. And I'm actually chatting with Dr. Porter uh, this morning. Oh, really? <laughs> really nice guy. He does lots yeah. of uh, meditation classes on a regular basis. Um, yeah, good guy, good guy. You, you'd mentioned about something called the new calm. I've I've heard about it. I think on Ben Greenfield's uh, podcast like months ago, but it was something that I forgot to look into. What what could you say about that? Yeah, that one I don't have personally, but I've heard really great things about it. Um, it's really good for putting you into almost a nap state or improving um your deep sleep and your REM sleep so there's so many gadgets out there but it's definitely literally you know it's going to help improve your nervous system bring your uh, brain states down to a more calm state and then put you to bed take a nap ben always says he uses it like right before he's going to take a nap and does a quick like 30 minute nap but gets kind of the restorative brain benefits of of sleeping for longer right sleeping for longer I was just thinking maybe that could be the secret to getting the glymphatic kick in a short space of time. <laughs> yeah, naps naps are definitely something that you can do. And sometimes they work really well for people. I'm not a big napper, but sometimes they work really well.
Yeah. What's your thoughts on um, psychedelics and the brain? I think it's interesting. Of course, I don't really want to advise for psychedelics necessarily or against on this show, but mm. I think it's a really interesting area of research. Um, same thing with almost like ketamine therapy for PTSD and different forms of depression. I, I'm interested to see where the science kind of takes us, but of course, very hesitant to promote, you know, one way or the other right now. Oh, right, right. Like, just maybe what you've heard, because I know lots of people that microdose on stuff and, you know, that I just heard some really good <laughs> reviews. Um, mm -hmm. Oh, man. Let's say not talking from a professional point of view, but like what you've heard, could you say at all or you'd prefer not to? Like non-professional. Well, what, mm. what I will say is that it, I think that there can be an interesting case for kind of, you know, brain rewiring. So when mm -hmm. it comes to thought patterns and the way that we think on a daily basis, most of our thoughts that we think today are the same as yesterday. And that's why it can be difficult for people to really change their mindset and make progress in that area. So I think that there's some interesting, interesting possibility with brain rewiring and changing the way that people think based on using these microdoses potentially though. Right, right, right. What about actual hardcore drugs? What's happening with the brain there? Like when you've done all the brain scans and that sort of thing, what have you noticed typically? Yeah, drugs are of course one of the most detrimental things to the brain. They're right up there with like alcohol, drugs, and of course there's an entire spectrum. Are we talking about THC or are we talking about heroin? It's a very different um, scale, but even THC, which I believe has been quite glamorized um, in recent years, when we look at the brain scans, the THC brain scans are some of the worst in terms of blood flow, so significantly lowering the blood flow which when it comes to overall brain health and longevity, we always want to do things that boost the blood flow. So in my opinion, not using, of course, any drugs, but even THC is, is definitely recommended due to it reducing the, the blood flow. Right, right. Okay. I hear so much things where people are like, yeah, yeah, you know, it uh, makes me think I can, I can write music and all this sort of stuff. And so it's just garbage. It's just not good whatsoever reduces blood yep. flow to the brain but people say it helps them to yeah. think deeper and stuff like what's going on there well i mean it can boost creativity sure but when we're talking about the the physical changes to the brain and in the brain structure i mean the scans don't lie you know so i always just say don't shoot the messenger because when i put this on my social media people are very upset um this and alcohol i think i probably lose a bunch of friends during that time. But unfortunately, the brain scans just, they don't lie and the blood flow is significantly compromised. So we don't want to do that. Kayla, it's been incredible. Thank you so much for your time. That's all been phenomenal. Where can people find you? So you're on social media. What's your Instagram handle? Yes, it's my name, which is Kayla Barnes, K-A-Y-L-A-B-A-R-N-E-S. Mm -hmm. And then I have a bunch of articles, podcast links and resources on my website at kaylabarnes.com. Fantastic. Thank you so much 
for your expertise, advice, and just golden nuggets to take away. I truly appreciate it. Everything we've discussed, um, I'll also message you in the meantime to get some details to put in the show notes. But thank you very much for your time. You have a blessed day, my friend.